I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he never runs dry. You know, one thing I do, I'm not real good about drinking water throughout the day. And sometimes I'll be sitting there and I got a headache and, and I don't feel right. And then all of a sudden I realize, I don't think I've drank any water since I woke up this morning. It's time to go plug into that source. There's nothing between me and the sink. All I got to do is go over and lift the faucet handle and I've got all the water I can need. And God's the same way. Sometimes we sit there and we think, man, I've been struggling through without the Lord this morning and there's not been anything that's standing between you and connecting to the source that never runs dry. I appreciate our worship team and their willingness, their sacrifice to come early and to prepare to lead us into worship. And I'm so grateful that we're able to do that each Sunday. Well, we're continuing our series on love. And so today I want to address you all, have a few remarks on this idea of what love looks like. And I'm going to start from a very weird starting point. And you can thank my mother for this. She, she uh, introduced me to absurdist humor when I was a small child. I had a steady diet of the Three Stooges. And so I, just, I came to appreciate that kind of humor over the years. Now, they're not the only ones to, to do this absurdist humor, but, and, and another comedian that I really enjoy is Mr. Bean. Any Mr. Bean fans in here? Some people love him. Other people hate him. I'm, I've known people who, they see him on the TV, and they're like, turn that off. I can't stand that guy. And then other people just think it's so funny. So it's hit or miss sometimes, but, but he cracks me up sometimes. And there's this one uh, scene that I remember. He uh, was traveling to France. And so uh, he, he walks up to a, a counter, and he's going to order some coffee. And so the young lady behind the counter, she's in France, so she's speaking French. And she asks him, would you like some coffee? And Mr. Bean, as an Englishman, you'd expect him to respond in English. But no, he tried to do it in French. So she says, do you want coffee in French? And I'm not going to try to attempt the French. I'm, I'm terrible at that. But she asks if he wants coffee, and he says, oui. And so then she says, well, would you like cream or sugar? And he says, non. And so then she, she compliments him. She says, you know, your French is, is very good. I'm impressed. And as he turns to walk away with his coffee, he says, gracias. <laughs> and if you didn't get that one, that's Spanish, not French. So, uh, but he, he didn't understand really what he was doing. He was speaking the wrong language. And uh, for whatever reason, that one just struck me funny. But, but we could find ourselves doing the same thing from time to time. Sometimes we find ourselves talking to somebody, and it seems like we're almost speaking a different language. You find yourself, you're almost talking past each other. Uh, I've been in many conversations with friends where it seemed like we were arguing, it seemed like we were disagreeing, and really we, we were making the same point. It's just we were uh, expressing it differently. And then there's other times where you, you think that you're on the same page with somebody, and then you realize later on that, that you, maybe you have a different definition for a certain word, and you realize that you're really not on the same page. So communication can be very difficult, and we all have our own unique ways of communicating. You know, we all have our own accents, or our own idioms that we use, those, those phrases that we learned growing up or that we heard our parents and grandparents use. And sometimes we don't even know where that phrase came from, but we just picked it up by being around them. And so we learn how to communicate with others. 
Now, one of the ways that we can miscommunicate is through our love languages. Many of you are probably familiar with the book by Gary Chapman, where he talks about the five love languages. And I've got a recap on the screen if you've not heard of this idea before, but his, his whole premise is that we each show love in different ways, and we receive love in different ways. And so just as a quick run through, uh, he says that some people receive love by receiving gifts. They, they, they like to, to receive a card or, or something thoughtful. Um, other people, it's quality time. They, they want to spend time with you, time uh, where your attention is fully focused and you're fully present. And that's how you communicate love to them. For others, it's acts of service. You go and you clean out their car or, or you help them with a, a, a difficult work task or, or maybe you agree to, to watch the kids for a little while. Acts of service is how you speak love to those people. Others need that word of affirmation. Some people just need you to speak uh, life into them. You know, they, they, they need you to, he, to hear that you respect them, that you appreciate them. And, and you, can, you can give them all the gifts in the world, but it just doesn't communicate to them like you expressing your appreciation for them verbally. And then the last is physical touch. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, that, that hug around the neck or, or, you know, shaking the hand or the pat on the back, whatever it is. That's how you know that that, that person loves you. And so we all speak to each other in different languages of love. And we can, get, um, we can get frustrated sometimes when it feels like uh, people aren't receiving the love or, or giving the love in the way that we need. Um, if, if you have a, a child that in their primary form of love language is words of affirmation, you can be there, you can be at every ball game, you can, you can uh, carve time out of your schedule to spend with them, but if you don't tell them, hey, son, I'm proud of you. I, you know, I, I love you so much. I'm here for you no matter what. It's just hearing the, those words of affirmation that's going to speak that love. And it's not that if you did the other, if you tried to spend quality time with them, it's not that they don't receive that love. It's just that's not the way that they understand love to be communicated. And, and the other thing is maybe, maybe you're one of those people who you love to, to receive gifts, and so you express love in that way. You, you give gifts to other people. You might be the best gift giver in the entire world. But for some people, they're just not going to appreciate that gift as much as they might appreciate, um, you know, the, 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 the pat on the back or just being present. You know, some people, have you ever noticed that there's some people where if, you're, if you've got a couch, they want to sit on the other end of the couch, and then there's other people that they want to sit right on top of you? If they sit right on top of you, it's probably, they're, they're one of those people who they communicate love through physical touch. They, it's not even necessarily that you have to be giving them a back rub, just being there and they can feel your body present next to them. That communicates their love or your love to them. And so we can get uh, frustrated when it feels like we're not hearing and receiving love in the way that we prefer. And now, uh, Gary Chapman, he's written several books. He's talked about, you know, the, the original idea was for, for spouses. So he was talking about as couples, how do we communicate love to each other? But then he realized, hey, this applies in more contexts. He, he, he's written them for if you have young children, how do we speak in, in, and let our children know that we love them in a way that they understand? And then as teenagers, as they get older, it changes how we're going to express that. And he even wrote one was how we express the love language in the workplace. And I, I was pretty interested to read that book because it was like, well, I wonder what he's going to say when we get to physical touch. We've got to be real careful there if you're physically touching your coworkers there to show them that you love them. You better be careful. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, you, you learn to navigate these ways because if, if I want to express love to somebody, if I'm doing it because I care for them. I, I want them to hear and understand how much I appreciate and value them. And so while I naturally speak in, in my own love language, um, I want to make sure that I'm communicating in a way where the other person receives it and they, they get the full effect of, of that expression of love. And so, you know, we, we learn to, to navigate this. And, and you learn it in your family. You might know that, well, hey, when it comes to my, my brother's birthday, he, he doesn't want a gift. He doesn't care anything about a gift, but he would love it if I would go out, go golfing with him one weekend. You know, or, or for your mother, you might understand that she's one of those people who really loves a gift. And so you put some thought into what, what particular item am I going to give her that'll show it'll be, it'll be a tangible, physical uh, demonstration of my love to her. And we learn how to communicate in these different languages. And as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking, well, what is God's love language? You know, we, we talk a lot about loving other people, but we also love God. And so we want to make sure that when we show our love to God, that we do so in a way that he understands. And, and here's the thing. We all have that, that way that comes naturally to us. If you're a words of affirmation person, you're probably an encourager. You go out and you're always building people up and letting people know how much you love them. So it probably comes pretty natural to you that when you're speaking to God and you're expressing your love for him, you, you do so verbally. Maybe, maybe you're speaking, you, uh, you're just telling him, God, I love you so much. Or, or you're praising him in the car. You, you crank the music up and you're singing that praise and worship music at the top of your lungs because that's you expressing those words of affirmation to God. And you can do that. And I think it's, it's a grace that God has for us that he's fluent in all five forms of communication. And so he can understand and speak to us and meet us in a way where we understand and then we can reciprocate that to him in this way. How do I know that God speaks all five love languages? Well, number one, he created each and every one of us. And so if he made us in a particular way and we are in his image, then in some way, some small part um, we are reflecting something that is found in his person and in his being. And so if God made us to, to be someone who's in the physical touch, we're that way because God wants to be with us in a physical, real way. How do I know? He sent Jesus to come and be with us. Um, he, he was with the Israelites in the desert. He said, this is my presence. See this pillar of flame? He, he didn't need a pillar of flame to show his presence. But for those people that were in the Israelite tribe, and that was their love language, anytime they needed to know, is God with us? They could look over and they see that pillar and they say, oh, yep, God is here. He's here right now. And so God speaks to us in each of these languages. But when it comes to anything about God, the clearest example that we can come to know anything about him is to look at the person of Jesus Christ. He is the most clear form of who Jesus is or who God is in, in our world and in our realm. It, it's, you have to speak in terms that people understand. We understand our world. And so he came to be in our world to show us the way. So let's look at each of these languages and see how Jesus may be communicated in these love languages. So we're going to start with receiving gifts. When, when Jesus was on this earth, Everywhere he went, he was giving gifts to people. Well, what do you mean? Was he giving gifts? He did, you know, we know he was a carpenter. Does that mean he was making little trinkets and, and carving things and handing them out to everybody? No. He was given, number one, the gift of healing. 
When we read in Scripture over and over and over again, it talks about how everywhere he went, people would bring the sick. People would bring those who were in need. They would bring them to Jesus, and he would heal them. He would meet whatever their need was. That was a gift to them. Many times it says that he healed crowds of people, but there are 23 different individual healings that we can go back and we can see where it didn't just say God healed all the, or Jesus healed all the people. It says, no, this one particular person came to Jesus. They had a need and Jesus met that need right the way it needed to be. Whether they were sick paralyzed, blind, deaf, um, demon-possessed, deformed, and some of them were even dead. Whatever it was that they needed, Jesus gave them a gift, a gift of healing. And then later, he provides a gift for all of us in our salvation. But in Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 34, it says this, That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. For those of us who speak this language of receiving gifts, God has gifts for us. He's promised them to us. And, and so he wants to do that and, and speak to you in a way that you understand. And so sometimes we need to say, God, I, I need a gift. I need, I need something right now. And, and when, when God is there for you in your moment of need, that's when you feel his love the most. And I'll tell you, there have been times in my life where I was going through a tough time and I, I just said, God, I, I need something from you. I don't even know what I need right now, but I just need something. And I'll tell you, it's those times when you're down and it's those times when you're at your lowest God knows exactly what you need. And so he is the great gift giver. We see that in the person of Jesus. And so that's how we know that God speaks in this language of giving and receiving gifts. The next example that we can look at is quality time. How do we know that Jesus spent quality time with people? Well, it talks about how one of the things that got Jesus into trouble is that he would share meals with just about anyone. Now, we were talking about this on Wednesday night in our Bible study class, how when you sat down to have a meal with someone in that culture, that was very different. You know, I might have a meal with anybody. If, I, if I'm at work, I might say to one of my coworkers, I say, hey, let's go grab some lunch. And it's no big deal. We're just going to go hit the Chipotle and get us a, a burrito or whatever it is that we're going to do. And we, we sit, and we have our meal, and then we leave. But it was very different in that culture. You had to be picky, and you had to, be choo- you had to choose who you would have a meal with because you were saying when you sat down, down to have a meal with somebody, you were accepting them, you were establishing a relationship with that person. They didn't hurry through their meals. Um, they, they took their time at it. They, they reclined at the couches many times and, and would, would enjoy a long, lengthy meal. And so that was one of the things that got Jesus in trouble because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they said, look at the people that he's sitting down and having these meals with. Look at the people he's spending quality time with. These are not the kind of people that you ought to be hanging around. But Jesus wasn't put off by that. In Mark chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says, Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I don't know about you, but I still think tax collectors are disreputable sinners, and they ought to just leave us all alone. But you know what? I think we ought to take a, a cue from Jesus and not be so hard on them. Here's what it says. It says, There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. 
Jesus knew that there were some people who just needed to be in his presence for a little while. If we uh, go further in the Bible, there's a, a story of another sinner that was looked down on by his community. His name was Zacchaeus. And I love the, the, the story of, of Zacchaeus' transformation. It says that, that Jesus just came by and he said, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dinner at your house today. I'm going to spend a little quality time with you. And here's the thing. It doesn't say anything about Jesus preaching to him, trying to convince him, trying to convert him. All it says is that Jesus came and he had a meal with him. And by the end of the meal, Zacchaeus had turned his whole life around. Just that little bit of quality time with Jesus had a dramatic transformative effect on Zacchaeus. He said, I'm going to quit stealing and cheating and I'm going to give back everything I've stolen. and, And he became a different person just by spending a little quality time with Jesus. So that's why I know that God knows the importance of quality time. He speaks that language. And if you're one of those people who needs some quality time, God can meet you and he can give you that one-on-one time in his presence that's going to give you what you need. The next example uh, that we can see in Jesus's life is acts of service. How do we know that Jesus, was, uh, he gave himself in service? Because, you know, it, it, when you're teaching and preaching and all that, some people do that because they like being up front. They like hearing themselves talk. It strokes their ego. They like being the one with all the answers. But that's not what Jesus was doing. He was teaching and preaching because he had a burden for others and he wanted to serve them. And he went out of his way to demonstrate that he was serving with the disciples. He taught them that, hey, listen, quit arguing about which one of you is the best because in my kingdom, it's the one who's least that is the greatest. If you want to be the greatest, that means you have to serve the most. You have to humble yourself the most. And he demonstrated it physically when he washed the disciples' feet. John chapter 13 tells this story, and in verses 12 through 17, it says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus spoke the language of service. And, and for some of us, we need God to, to, to serve us. We need God to, to give himself to us. And that's what he did in Jesus. He emptied himself of his glory, left heaven, left behind all of that, to come and be with us in the mire and in the muck and in the, in the hard times and in, in, in the struggle. He came to be here with us as an act of service. And, and he continues to do so. Now, Jesus isn't with us personally today, but he serves us through each other. Because when we go about serving each other, we are being the Lord's hands and feet. I pray that many times. I say, God, as I'm going about my day today, I pray that you'll help me to be your hands and feet. Because Jesus isn't with us personally, physically right now. He's with us in spirit. His spirit lives within us. And so when we are acting on his behalf, we are his hands and feet. So while Jesus can't be here to wash our feet today, we can serve each other. That's how I know that God speaks this language. He knows that we need those acts of service. There are times when we just can't do it on our own. And it's not even necessarily because you're incapable, but sometimes you just got too much on your plate. And God knows that sometimes you need somebody who will just come alongside and say, hey, let me help you shoulder this burden for a little while. And that's how God speaks to us. 
The next way that we can look in Jesus' life is words of affirmation. Well, how do we know that Jesus understood that we need to be affirmed? Well, he spent much, a, a whole lot of time building into and, and affirming and encouraging the disciples. He, he gave them uh, authority. He said, I give you authority to go and preach and teach and to cast out evil spirits. And then he sent them out to do it. And when he came back, he, he rejoiced with them as they reported all the, the amazing things that they'd been able to do. He built them up. And in John chapter 15, he said this, he said, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. And this is, this is a bunch of men sitting around doing this. Now, we had a little guy's night Friday night. We went out. Some of us had dinner. We caught a movie. We hung out, had some guy time. I got to tell you, if I'd have looked over at the other guys at the table and I'd said this, you know, I have loved you. Where, where is it? I have loved you even as the fathers loved me. Remain in my love. They'd have looked at me like I was crazy. They probably got up, walked to the other table. They said, man, that's not how men talk to each other. But Jesus understood those disciples needed to hear that. They needed to know without a doubt, I love you. Now, there's a whole lot of times where people talk and that the words that are coming out of their mouth aren't backed up by reality. But here's the thing. Jesus not only spoke the words, he showed it through and he lived it out as well. He understood that we need sometimes to be encouraged. We need to hear, I love you. I love you. Remain in my love. He even went so far as to reach out specifically to, to Simon Peter in Luke 22. He said this, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus was saying, listen, you guys are about to go through some really tough times, but I want you to know that I have prayed for you and that you are going to come out the far side of it. Look, he says, when you have repented, and turn to me again. He, he already said, listen, it's going to be tough. And, and things are going to get real bad. But you're going to get through this. And then once you get through that, I need you to turn around and do for the other disciples what I'm doing for you right now. I need you to strengthen them. So Jesus understood that we need those words of affirmation in our life. And the last language that we see Jesus demonstrating is physical touch. And, and we see this no greater or, or no better demonstrated than in the story of the healing of the lepers. In Matthew chapter 8, now this story was so important that it was included in, in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. And uh, in each of these stories, it contains a very important part of it that we're going to see here. It says in, in 8 uh, verses 2 through 3, it says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. If you're willing. This leper understood that, that it wasn't, can Jesus do it? Did he have the power? Did he have the ability? He said, Lord, if you're willing. He didn't even ask him. To, if you look, he didn't even ask him. He didn't say, Jesus, heal me. He just said, if you are willing, I know that you can make me clean. And then here's the important part. And this is in all three versions of this story. It says, Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, you know that those people were outcasts because they didn't understand how it was transmitted. All they knew is that it was contagious. It could pass. And so they said, if, if you have leprosy, you must leave the community. You must be outside the community. You can't go near anybody. It was like a permanent, um, it was like a permanent restraining order. You got to keep 500 feet from everybody you meet. 
unless they already have leprosy too. And so they would even form these leper uh, communities because they were like, well, these are the only people I'm allowed to be around. And so the fact that Jesus would reach out and touch this man, how long had it been since someone had probably touched this man? They'd lived in fear. They'd rejected him. They'd pushed him away. Jesus reached out, touched him, and he said, I'm willing, I'm willing, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Jesus understood that sometimes we need that friend who will just come and throw his arms around your neck and say, man, I don't have the answers. It stinks that you're having to go through this. I don't understand why this is happening, but I want you to know that I'm here for you. There's been many times as a pastor and as a friend, I've been called to, to sit with people as they walk through the most difficult days of their life. And I don't have the answers. I don't understand why some of the things happen. And all I can do is say, I'm here. And that's the thing. Sometimes that's all you need. You just need somebody who'll sit with you while you cry. They'll sit with you while you pray. Jesus, as he was getting ready to, to face the, the, the torture and, and his death on the cross, what did he do? He, he asked some disciples to come with me. He said, I don't want to be alone right now. I need that physical presence. Can you come and can you pray with me? So Jesus understood that we need to be communicated to in this way. Now, we also get to show our love to God. And so sometimes we have to think about how can I show my love to God? And here's the thing. You have a, a love language that comes naturally to you. We can all do any of them. Any of us can go to Walmart and pick a gift. Some of us might pick good ones. Some of us might pick bad ones. I'm sure if, you, if we went around the room, we could each think of a story of a gift that somebody gave us where it was like, oh my goodness, where, what was this? Where did it come from? You know, I saw uh, somebody was talking about one of the worst gifts they ever received. They said, I received a, a, a giant pickle eraser. It's like, well, why would I need this? You know, why would anybody need an eraser that looks like a big pickle, you know? there's some weird gifts out there. And as we go around, you, there's probably someone in each of our families that gives those weird gifts. Um, but you know what? There's others of us that, that we have a, a way of speaking and communicating love, and we understand that. Um, there are people who, you know, I, for me, gifts aren't a big thing. That, that's not my love language. And yet I know when someone gives me a gift, I know that they're doing so because they're trying to express love to me. So even though it doesn't necessarily meet that, that need, and, and so that's not the, my natural way of communicating and receiving love, when someone gives me a gift, I understand they're doing so because they're trying to show love to me. And so we learn how to do that, and we learn how to understand when people are communicating in love. But here's the thing. When we think about expressing our love for God, we, we tend to get ourselves into this mindset that there's only certain ways that I can show my love to God. I can only show my love to God when I pray. I can only show my love to God when I'm doing my best Hillsong impersonation. You know, I can, I can only show my love to God when, when I'm volunteering and serving at church. No, that, that's not true at all. We can, we can speak to God and show our love for Him in, in a multitude of ways. I don't know how many people are in this room, but there's, there's a way for each of us. Because we're all unique. We all have our own relationship with God, and we can speak to Him in many different ways. And love, by its very nature, is creative. Why did God create the world? God created the world. God created the entire universe out of an, out of an overabundance of love. 
Theologians talk about the fact that, that the reason God created the world is because uh, the, the Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Spirit, and the Spirit loved the Son, and the Spirit loved the Father, and they, they went back and forth, and this overflow of love was so much that they couldn't contain it within themselves, so they created the entire universe. Why? To receive more of His love. Think about in your own life. You might be uh, not, not very emotional, not very expressive, but man, when you see that good-looking girl walking by, all of a sudden, you're very creative. You can write poems and love songs and sonnets. There's something about love that is creative in and of itself. And so we can learn how to express our love for God in many different ways. So let's go through some practical examples because I want you to learn that we can love God more than just on Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in a brown chair in Louisville, Kentucky. You can show your love to God each and every day, every moment of the day. So God gave us some instructions. First of all, when it comes to gift giving and gift receiving, the Bible talks a lot about generosity and stewardship and, and, you know, it tells us that we should give our tithe and we'll, we'll bless others and we'll receive blessings in return. Here's what it says specifically in, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus was telling a parable about stewardship. He talked about how a man had given some money to his servants and he expected them to go and to make some money and he summed it all up for them. He said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So Jesus is telling us we need to be generous. We need to to give gifts, even if that's not your love language, even if that's not the way you express your appreciation. Now, I try to be the favorite uncle, and, and so every time one of my nieces has a little fundraiser at school, I try to be the one that throws a little money in. And, and like I said, gift giving's not my thing. But I hope that they understand that I, I'm giving towards that fundraiser. Not because I care about whatever the thing is. They might be a great cause, but it's more because I care for my niece or my nephew or whoever's raising the money. I express it through, through giving that gift. You do so by being a good steward. When we're, we're a good steward with our money, when we tithe, you know, I think part of the reason that God expects us to tithe is, number one, so that we relinquish a little control. Hey, look, this isn't mine. Uh, I, I might think it's mine. I went and I worked the job. I got the paycheck. I earned it. But you do so by God's good graces. But then the other thing, too, is when we learn how to be generous with our money, we are learning how to speak and communicate love. And so God expects us to do that. God expects us to give gifts to others. The second way is, is through quality time. You know, the, the Bible instructs us that we are supposed to spend quality time with those who, that we love and, and with, uh, with God himself. You know, I, I often do my devotion in the morning. I, I prefer it that way because it gets my whole day started off right. I can't remember who it was I was talking to, uh, but I was talking to somebody about the fact that, you know, if I ever get busy in the morning, I've got a, an unusual morning and I don't get my normal routine in where I get to spend a little time with God in the morning and I get to the end of the day, it's a completely different experience of the day for me. I need to spend a little bit of quality time with my father before I tackle the, the problems of the day. And, and the, the word instructs us to do that. And we see it in Jesus' example. In Luke chapter 5, it says, Despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus understood that we need that quality time, and so we have to learn how to have that quality time, not only for God, 
but for our other people too. You know, it's so hard nowadays with all the distractions. I mean, seriously, we, we started joking when, when the COVID thing hit and we were all stuck at home. We, talk, we, we would joke about, well, I, I reached the end of Netflix or I hit the end of Spotify. I've listened to so many podcasts or I've watched so many TV shows. There's nothing left to watch. But we all know that's not true because there's new, new videos, new shows, new movies, new music coming out all the time. You can't ever reach the end of it. Twitter, uh, Twitter feeds, they never end. And we have it all going off in our pocket every 10 seconds. Now, for some of you guys that are in group chats, maybe you got a family group chat that blows you up or a group of friends, and you get off work and you got 157 missed text messages. That's the thing. It's like we, we have so many distractions that are going off all the time in our life. And so sometimes we have to silence it. We have to put it away. Science shows that even just having your phone sitting on the table where you can see it, it distracts you. It, it pulls your attention. So you got to take that thing, put it on silent, put it in your, in your pocket. I know some families who they have a central charging station for their phones. And at a certain time of the night, everybody's phone goes on the charging station. Nobody can use any devices after that time. Why? Because they want to create a time where they can spend some quality time as a family. You have to fight for that time. You have to protect that time. And God wants us to communicate to each other in that way. Acts of service. How do we know that God values acts of service? Well, it tells us in Matthew 25, Jesus was talking and he was talking about the day of judgment. He was talking about the day where we're going to be held accountable for everything that we've said and done. And he talked about a group of sheep and a group of goats. And I know there's a few old goats in here, but I'm not going to point you out by name. I already called Sharon out today. I won't call anybody else out. But, but anyway, here's what Jesus said. He said, at that day of judgment, he said, the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I will tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We have to learn how to communicate through acts of service to others. And there's going to be uh, countless opportunities for you to do so. There's another story in the Bible where it says uh, that a, a woman, she came and she wanted to show her appreciation for Jesus. So she broke open her, her, her uh, container of perfume and she anointed his feet. And some people were offended by that. That was expensive perfume. That was waste. And he said, listen, you're always going to have an opportunity to bless others. But she showed this out of her appreciation. She committed this act of service because she wanted to communicate love in the best, most expensive, most extravagant way that she knew how to do it. And she's going to be remembered for that. And we want to be remembered for that. You know, when we get to the end of our lives, it doesn't matter how much money was in our 401k or how many real estate investments we had. Nobody sits there on their deathbed and says, man, I wish I'd have made more money. We think about that. We say, what do we want to be remembered by? What do we want our legacy to be? We build our legacy by serving others. God wants us to speak through words of affirmation. Number one, we're expected to praise. It, it commands us many times in the, in the book of Psalms to praise the Lord. But not only do we lift up the Lord through words of affirmation, we give him, like I prayed earlier this morning, we want to give him the glory and the honor that he is due. We owe it to him because of who he is. 
But God also expects us to use those words of affirmation to be a source of light and love in the world. We are to motivate and encourage each other. Hebrews chapter 10 says it like this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We need somebody to come alongside us and say, listen, other people might not have noticed, but I've seen. I've seen how you've been faithful. I've seen how you've been loyal. I've seen the hard work that you've put in. And, and it feels good to be appreciated. And so we need to learn how to communicate not only to our Father how much we appreciate Him, but we need to be encouragers and motivate each other. And that's another language of love that God expects us to use. And the last one is physical touch. And the Bible instructs us we're supposed to show honor for one another. We're supposed to contribute to, to each other's uh, causes and to each other's lives. We should be investing in other people. We should be, be making a difference. And it says, go out of your way to show hospitality. Romans chapter 12 says it like this. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, I wish there's a whole lot of people in this world that would take delight in honoring each other instead of tearing each other down. There's far too many people who focus on the negative. They don't, they don't see the 95% that you did that was good. They focus on that 5% that was wrong, and they want to nail your hide to the wall for it. And, and too many people, there's, there's people who their entire job is to get on TV and to tear other people down, to call names, to poke fun. They've made it a, a form of entertainment. They tear each other down when we're supposed to be going out of our way it says, take delight in honoring each other. Continuing on, it says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, some of us, we're not extroverts. We're introverts. We want to stay home. We, we don't ever want to go out. We'd much rather be at home on our couch, in our sweatpants, or maybe no pants. I don't know what you like to do at home, but whatever it is you like to do, we like to be at home, and the thought of inviting someone into your home, that's uncomfortable. I don't want someone to come into my house. What if they see all my dust bunnies, you know? What, what, what if they see that I haven't done the dishes in three days? Please do your dishes. But, but we should be going out of our way to show hospitality. When you bring someone into your home, you're saying, I accept you. I'm bringing you into my space. I, I'm, I'm letting you in a little bit, you know? And, and so we should go out of our way to do those kinds of things. Now, be careful when it comes to physical touch. Don't be that creepo weirdo that walks up behind people and starts doing the, the back massages that, that aren't welcome. You know, some people don't mind that. It's like today, uh, I went up in the, in, the, in the booth during praise and worship just to make sure everything was running okay up there, and, and Isaac was sitting there at the, at the desk, and I came up behind him, and I punched on his back a little bit, and he turned around, and he said, oh, don't stop. You know, some people like that physical touch. Other people don't like it. Read the room here, but we should learn how to communicate through our presence. You know, maybe, they, maybe just seeing someone there. You know, many of us, when we were children, we, were, we did athletics or, or maybe we were in a play or, or we did some kind of activity and we didn't need our parents beside us on the stage or beside us on the field. But if we could look up in the stands and see that they're there, what did that do? That communicated their love to us. 
especially when it was cold and wet and, and they had to fight uh, you know, people to get into a hot auditorium and everybody's sweating and nobody's having a good time, but they're there because they love you. And we ought to go out of our way to show love in that same way. So if the musicians could come forward, we're going to wrap this up here. But, but here's the thing. I was talking with someone this week and we were talking a little bit about their faith and the, the state of their faith and, and how things have been going on in their life. And, and they were communicating to me. They said, you know, sometimes I just feel like I'm going through the motions because I got saved as a young child. I was raised in this church. I've been, uh, you know, every time the doors were open, I was there. Every time that they had a church event, I was there. And maybe I was volunteering or I was serving, but it's just kind of become routine. It, it, I've gotten into a rhythm of it. And it's, you know, I, I feel like my, my love and my zeal for the Lord is fading. And that's what happens to us when we continue to live on yesterday's blessing. Because when I was talking to this person, they were talking about how their, their, their fire and their passion for the Lord wasn't what it used to be. They were talking about all these things that happened back in the day. Oh, I remember when our youth group did this. And I remember when we served and we did this. And, and, and while that's great, we need our testimony. We overcome by our testimony. But we also need to say, it's not about what God just did in the past. I mean, I give glory to God for the great things he did in this, in this Bible. But that was thousands of years ago now. That doesn't make a, a, a difference in my life in the way that it, it did for the, these people. And so we can't be stuck in yesterday's glories. And we can't be stuck in, in what God did in us yesterday. We can't live on yesterday's blessing. So how do we overcome that? Well, we give ourselves to love. We give ourselves to receiving love from God. God is trying to give you love. And he's trying to communicate it in a way that he knows that only you will understand. Maybe he has that gift that you've been needing, that miracle that you've been looking for. He's got it. It's ready. You just got to receive it. Maybe he wants to spend a little quiet time with you. Maybe he knows that your life has been too crazy. It's been too hectic. You've had too many things on your calendar, too many things on your schedule, and you don't need another thing to do. And sometimes church can feel like that. You think, man, I, I've worked hard. I've, I've already put in a 14-hour day at work. I don't need to go to Bible study tonight. That's just one more thing on my schedule. But sometimes we got to make that effort, and God knows that you need a little quiet time alone with him. You know, one of the things I appreciate is that sometimes in my prayer time, I don't always have the words to say, especially sometimes when you've been dealing with one particular struggle and you've been dealing with it for a while. You know, you, sometimes you reach a place where it's like, God, I don't know what else to say. I've prayed everything I know how to pray. I, I've claimed victory. I, I've, I've proclaimed healing. I've spoken life into this situation. I, I've, I've asked. I've pled. I've, I've, I've prayed, I've cried, I've done everything I know to do. I don't have anything else left to do. And sometimes just laying there, you know, some, and I do, I said laying there because I, I, I do that often at night when I'm, when I'm unable to sleep, I'll just lay there and I'll just say, God, I don't have anything else to say to you, but I want to spend some time in your presence and God will meet you in that time. So listen, don't live on yesterday's blessing. God is here and he's ready to speak to your need today. If the prayer team will come forward, here's the thing. We, we have many people in this congregation who are, who are facing some things in their life. Maybe it's a, a physical need. Maybe you need healing. Maybe it's a, a spiritual need. Maybe you need some comfort. We have people in this house today. I know of at least two families that are, are grieving today the loss of a loved one. 
Whatever it is that you need in your life, God is here today. His love is waiting for you, and He wants to communicate it in a way that will speak to your need. So that's what we want to close out with today. If you have a need, if you would say, there's something that I need, I just need some reassurance from God that He loves me. It's not that you doubt it, but you can't live on yesterday's blessing. You know, there's the old joke told about, uh, you know, the, the, the husband and the wife, and, and, uh, and she tell, the, the, the wife complains to the husband, says, you never tell me you love me. And he said, well, didn't I tell you I loved you when we got married? She said, well, yes, you did. And he said, well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. It doesn't work like that. We need a constant communication of God's love. So if that's you today, if you just need a touch from the Lord, I want you to come forward and to, to uh, meet with our prayer team, and they're going to pray for you, and they're going to speak to you. They're going to speak words of affirmation over you. They're going to give you that physical touch. There's power in the laying on of hands. They're going to spend some time with you and pray for you to receive the gift that you need. So if that's you today, the altars are open, and I ask you to come forward. My